Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. I am Ryan Drury. I'll be joined, as always, by Clarkie and Steve Sabrin. Loaded show this week. We welcome on TSN Digital host and Bar Down member and eSports host and gaming fanatic, Marissa Roberto, on to chat about her beloved Raptors and the NBA trade deadline. Keeping Kyle Lowry, was that the right move? We'll chat about the Blue Jays as well, the Leafs, and, of course, eSports and the gaming space with Marissa. Then, of course, we have to talk about the hot mic incident with Timmy Peel in the NHL. We welcome on our friend of the show, former longtime referee and director of NHL officiating. Who better to talk to than Brian Lewis? He will join us as well, and we'll wrap up the show as always with our buddy from CoolBet, wagering expert Chris Abbott. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. I am Ryan Drury. That is Clarky. That is Steve Sabrin. We're very pleased to be joined by another great special guest and hopefully future friend of the show, Marissa Roberto from TSN Digital and, of course, Bar Down as well. Marissa, how are you? I'm so excellent. How are you? Kyle Lowry stays. He stays. So I am doing okay. It's but Powell went, is that right? Powell went? Yeah. Well, Powell yeah. is gone. Yes, Norm leaves. Let's <laughs> dig right into that since you brought it up. I, I'd oh, love yeah. to get your feelings on that. Obviously, the Raptors, a busy trade deadline day. Norm Powell leaves, obviously, to Sacramento. And, of course, they make a couple other smaller deals. Davis and Thomas both out for future second rounders, which I actually thought was a, a decent haul given the players leaving. But Kyle stays, like you said. And... There were a lot of rumors that he'd maybe want to go home to Philly. The Lakers were looking at him because of their injuries. Miami was hot to trot, apparently, too. Yeah. I guess, first of all, what's your impression of Kyle staying? Are Obviously, I'm assuming you're a fan of the move. Uh, well, it's just one of those things where it's bittersweet. Like, yes, it's amazing because I love him so much. I just think he's he really is the growth, right? Like, we just love him here in Toronto. Um, I just feel like what's going to happen at the end of the season? What? What are we going to do? We can't do anything. Like we got to just paint ourselves in a corner here, but um, I don't know. Maybe this means that the Raps could possibly make a run get in the playoffs here. Uh, like positive thinking after last night's game, the ladies brought some luck maybe. So maybe they can move forward with this with Kyle staying. It was just so weird. Like he threw the peace signs up when he was walking out after the game. And I thought, Oh man, I got that pit in my stomach. Like he's really saying goodbye. This is it. But it's, you know, one of those things where like you you say goodbye, but then you don't say goodbye and you're, you're like, hey, I'm, I'm back. I'm here. It's one of those awkward moments where it's like, OK, man, that's cool. You can stay. <laughs> we don't make we need to make this awkward, but it was a little awkward. It definitely was. And I mean, he he was rumored. I mean, Miami apparently was going the hardest after him. And yeah. I, I apparently the sticking point was Tyler Hero, which from their perspective, I don't know that I totally understand. But I saw a number of takes today, uh, including from one of your TSN colleagues, Brian Hayes, basically saying, is this essentially Masai sending a message? Hey, we're not going to be lowballed here, even for a guy who's a little older. Sure. But we're not just going to take a lowball offer just because. Yeah. I love that. Don't you just love Masai? I feel like in Masai, we trust here. Um, I, I literally will put, I, I don't know. I feel like any contract I would give him, I feel like I could trust him with it. And so that's it. I feel like if they're not, if they're not going to give enough for Lowry, he's worth far more then whatever else he saw in front of him, then fine, we'll just keep them. We'll eat this and we'll see what happens at the end of the season. And maybe we maybe we can do something. Maybe he can stay. I don't know. I'm not sure. That's that's 30 mil though right there. So we'll see. 
Hey, you brought up ladies night last night on TSN. How did you feel as a woman in the, in the broadcasting world to see something like that transpire last night? Oh man, if I didn't look in the comments, it would have been the best night ever. Uh, <laughs> it was it was really sweet. Honestly, a lot of the comments were incredibly positive. I was blown away by the play-by-play, by the color. Kia is such a talent. Like she, I, I remember my producer, so I have the same producer that used to produce March Madness for TSN. And he told me that when she was on broadcast, her first time ever doing anything like that on a desk, she nailed it perfectly, like stuck the landing. And to do so, you guys know in broadcasting, it's not easy. You can't just get in front of a camera and know what you're talking about and be okay with the lights and the cameras and the prompter. Like it's a lot going on. You have a producer in your ear. She nailed it every single time. She's such, she's just one of those five tool, five tool players, five tool broadcasters. She, she's got it. And so I, I cannot wait to see where her career goes from here. Megan McPeak, insanely good. I just love the way they took their time to describe things that maybe you wouldn't normally get in a broadcast. I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I just really enjoyed the way they saw the game. So it was a nice, fresh take on it. Um, I thought the ladies did bring the luck. It was lovely to see the ladies in studio as well. Um, and yeah, obviously we need more representation out there. It really matters. Um, I didn't grow up with anybody I could really, I don't know, like hold on to and see even in the gaming space that there just wasn't a lot of females out there that really inspired me to get out there and do this. But if I didn't have, you know, a station like G4 that I watched where I saw women interviewing people and covering video games, I wouldn't have thought that could be a job for me. So we need that. We need to see women out there doing this stuff so we believe in ourselves to do it too. Otherwise, the comments were, of course, filled with, um, you know, a lot of men feeling marginalized. Unfortunately, that does happen. Um, <laughs> I try not to get in there and fight because it's just not worth it. But I do, I like to push some buttons sometimes. It makes me feel good. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you're good, you're good. And, and you know, I hope there's going to be more nights like this and in other sports, right? I mean, there's a whole lineup out there that uh, can be, I guess, opened up for for women. I would love that. I love how much attention it got too. And yeah, I, I see a lot of tweets. I'll see a lot of, you know, Facebook posts about with eye rolls and just thinking that it's a publicity stunt because it's women's month and all that, all that stuff. But we have those conversations internally all the time because we don't want them to be publicity stunts. We want this to be a permanent thing that we see, or at least shine a light on women that are talented enough to do this in a broadcast in other cities too. It doesn't just have to be here. It doesn't, doesn't just have to be for the Raptors. It can be literally anywhere because women can do the same job as a man, it is very much possible. And women also love sports. And I think that was highlighted very perfectly last night with the women who were on the desk um, doing what they do best. So um, hopefully we see more of this and hopefully, you know, uh, the comments will go away. Maybe they'll be a little more muffled or muted. It's the worst when like you see these comments from guys with their kids in the photos and one of their kids is a girl. <laughs> like, it's like you have, you have a daughter and you think this way, it's, it's insane to me. Like, don't you want her to dream to be better, to do more? Um, I don't th- like, I don't know. They'll go back to the kitchen comments. All that stuff is just, it's so silly. <laughs> I feel like we, we really have to move past this now. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to take some time. <laughs> it's going to take some time. Yeah, for yeah, sure, right? And I went down to California a couple of Septembers ago and uh, worked the uh, women's uh, under uh, 18, under 17, 18, uh, I think, but 18, yeah. under 18 uh, softball World Cup. And, you know, the athletes we met, um, we had a couple of uh, uh, American uh, uh, Olympic athletes on with us to do the broadcasts and some of the most fun and 
learning experience for me because yeah. the wealth of knowledge they had was amazing. So, yeah. It's because they, I also feel like when you're in these spaces, you have to know your stuff or <laughs> you like, you better know your stuff because yeah. if you don't, you are going to get eaten alive. So they, I feel like they kind of learn this stuff or need to absorb more of it even faster um, than maybe their male counterparts. They feel they need to prove themselves in some way, because no matter what, we will still in these spaces where they are, they are completely male dominated. We're always going to have a little bit of imposter syndrome because we're, we're always going to be told that we don't belong here by men who don't want to see us here um, or from men who feel like they can do the job better. Um, so we, <laughs> we feel as though we're not good enough sometimes. Um, so uh, yeah, that happens a bit where you're, <laughs> you're studying maybe more than you need to. I remember when I first got into even just the gaming space or if I was going to do an interview or something, I would have notebooks filled with notes. Like I didn't need it. Once I get into the interview, I'm not even looking down, but it's just the preparedness that you feel like you need to have just in case your back is up against the wall and you're being challenged in some way. Yeah, I, I've worked with, um, I was at Leafs TV for 14 years and Jody Vance and Andy Petrillo, who's now on yeah. TSN doing a great oh, job. So she, great. she was with us for a long time as our reporter. Friend um, of the show. Friend she's of the show lovely. as well. Yeah, she's been on our show a few times. And, uh, you know, we're we're ready to kick Ryan off this show, Marissa, if you <laughs> do want to. Oh, did I say that aloud? Was my mic hot there? I'm sorry. But anyway, I want to know, Marissa, go, Tim. <laughs> Exactly. We'll talk about this more with Brian Lewis coming up in our next segment. I can't wait <laughs> for right. that. Um, but, Marissa, tell us more about you. Where like, where'd you grow up? How'd you get into sports? And then how'd you get to TSN? Yeah, uh, well, I grew up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. This is this is my frig yeah, but this is this is just my shout out to Saskatoon, city of bridges. Yeah, I know that's also Pittsburgh, but it's also Saskatoon. Okay, uh, city of bridges in Canada. We have like eight bridges now, so um, I came to Toronto when I was eighteen. To uh, well, I got into Ryerson for their theater dance program, so I did that for a little while. But uh, just it was a it was a rough life dancing all the time. Like I used to competitively dance, and it was just it's hard on your body. So I. Uh, I left that. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, but I started working at the Rogers Center um, behind home plate serving. And I fell in love with baseball. That was the first experience I had with really sitting there. And of course, like you're so close and you get to know the players. So this is when uh, it was O-Dog, Aaron Hill, Eric Hinsky, um, Doc, like on the mound. It was, I just feel like it was such a golden age for me to be getting into the Blue Jays. I just love that team so much. Um, Frank Catalanato, my goodness. Um, it was one of those serendipitous moments for me as well, where I just felt like I need to surround myself with this. I became obsessed with baseball. I wanted to go see every ballpark possible. I went to Cleveland and I was, I was wanted to be part of Grady's ladies because Grady Sizemore was a deal. And uh, I see you wearing an A's hat. I used to be obsessed with the A's as well. <laughs> just because I love their uniforms. They're just different things about the sport that I loved so much. That I just needed to absorb myself in. Um, at the same time, I was, so when I left home, I left all my video games behind, but I was very much a gamer at home because my parents were very strict Italian. I'm the oldest girl. They wanted to keep me home and sheltered, um, you know, away from boys and sleepovers and all that stuff. It's just very strict Italian family. So they kept me home and I didn't complain because they would just buy me video games. Um, so the, I, I left those behind, but then I, when I was starting to work at the Rogers Center, I got a GameCube for my boyfriend at the time because he knew that I liked video games. And so my entire summer was just watching baseball mm. and playing Super Mario Sunshine. And I was it was my, the best summer of my life. Like I just needed to make sure that I could somehow 
keep this <laughs> in a box somehow. So I went to journalism school. I knew that I'm not smart enough to make these games uh, so, or good enough of an athlete to play these games. So I needed to somehow be in this space. And I figured uh, talking about all these things as a journalist would um, provide me the life that I maybe wanted. So even though being a journalist in Canada, as you know, is not that lucrative. Okay, it's not that lucrative, but if you love what you do, <laughs> your day will be filled with joy. So I um, yeah, went to journalism school. I got into reviewing video games. I got a gig on a TV show called EP Daily and another one called Reviews in the Run. And I would review mobile games and I would start to review console games. It was the best gig ever. I would just travel the world and um, meet different developers and go to E3 and Comic-Con and all that stuff. Um, it was just a geek's dream come true. And I loved every second of it. And then uh, when that show ended, I got into esports and I started hosting different esport events. Um, so CSGO, Rocket League, the fighting game community, I just hit every single bubble of esport mm. that I could, um, which opened my eyes to a com completely different world of gaming because they're totally separate. Um, mainstream gaming and esports, completely separate. Just getting to meet all these people who make video games, video games, their lives, like this is it. This is how they live. Um, getting to tell their stories was amazing. And so I helped launch an esports show here in Canada uh, on Jinx TV and after hosting that show for a while, I had somebody from TSN DM me asking me if I would come and test for nice. uh, Digital Sports Center. So that's like my long-winded version of how I got back to sports because when I was in journalism school, I was also interning at TSN. I was a story editor on the row, uh, just writing copy for Sports Center. So yep. it was kind of like my way back into TSN uh, 10 years later, which is wild. Awesome. And that's kind of where I first became familiar with you, Marissa, was, was EP Daily, actually. Yeah. And I, I used to love that show. We're chatting with Marissa Roberto, host of TSN Digital and, of course, member of Bar Down. And you see her hosting eSports all the time as well. Uh, I, I love I, the quizzes, by the way. The <laughs> I love the quizzes. Fantastic, more quizzes. I'd love them more if I could win one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure you have a better record than Jesse, so... You can rub that in his face. Um, I, I want to ask you, you mentioned falling in love with baseball. I, yeah. I only kind of recently fell in love with baseball. I, mm. I've watched the game for a long time, but I really fell in love with it over the last year. And yeah, I like my Oakland A's, the sharp green and yellow. I want to ask so you nice. about the Blue Jays. Let's dig into so them. Nice. I mean, they have had a bit of a bumpy end of spring training. Their yeah. guy that they designated to close for them, Kirby Yates, blows his elbow into a thousand pieces. That's unfortunate. Now George Springer's probably going to miss opening day, which might dampen the spirits a little bit. But overall, hitting-wise, I think we're all on the same page. They look pretty dangerous. That rotation, though, after yeah. you get past Ryu, some question marks. What is your yeah, feeling on the Jays? Do, you, oh, like, do you think they could be a wild-card team? <laughs> Okay, I feel the same way about the Jays that I feel about most Toronto sports teams, okay? I think they're great. I think they have so much potential. But yes. will they will they come through? I don't know. Uh, will some of the fans annoy me in the stands when I sit down and I hear their chatter? Yeah, probably. Okay? Because I feel like sometimes when you go to different baseball times, it's so funny when I went to, uh, I think we were at Fenway and uh, we were in our Jays gear and then we were, I like to heckle, I like to scream um, and the guys beside us were like, well, you guys are, you guys are Jays fans? Like, yeah. Okay, well, this is the first time we heard Jays fans actually like know what they're talking about when it comes to baseball. I was like, oh, don't say that. That hurts my soul because sometimes when you go to these games, you just don't, like, people aren't really into baseball. They just go to like for the drinks or the show or whatever the case may be and that's fine live your life and do those things but i want you to like i don't know study the pitcher or like or the catcher even or just i don't know a couple players in the team and learn their stats just a little bit before you go so you can get into it just that much more um but with these jays uh, 
I, I would love to say this is it. <laughs> I want to say this is the team because we have the young guns. I cannot believe we got Springer. When that deal went through, I'm like, for real? For really? Wait, do we like Springer now? Because I was mad at him for a little bit, obviously. For Yes. <laughs> for, for reasons that we could get into if you want. But uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Is he bringing bad juju because of what he did in the past? Maybe we'll see are you excited about the jays do you think they have what it takes i they're really leaning on magic from robbie ray and steven <laughs> Matz, who have looked to their credit have looked very good in spring training but that's spring training i'm yeah, i'm different. very i don't know i i'm i'm doubtful that that rotation is going to hold up nate pearson already has a groin injury mm-hmm. and seems to throw his arm out all the time as well, trying to throw 103 miles an hour. Mm. I think that they could make it, but they are going to have to slug their way out of a lot of problems. Right. And that's and not do you a, want that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a, a real recipe for elongated success. Mm. And in terms of Springer's bad juju, I don't know. I was always under the impression that was more of a Correa Altuve led charge. Hey, hey you know, the rest of the team was complicit. They, <laughs> you know they were complicit. They certainly were complicit, and they paid well, probably not enough. No, but they, they did. No, not they didn't probably. pay at all. No, close, not even no. close. No the one got suspended. Like, like okay, so in baseball, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? Is that not the? I think sure. Trevor Bauer sure. also said that. Yeah. Um, you know what? The, he would know. Cheating yeah, exactly. in baseball goes hand in hand, and you steal bases. In back in the nineteen, took it to another level. Back in the nineteen twenties, the crowd would move the rope in the outfield. They'd move it in to get ground rule doubles remember for the opposition. And they have you not watched Ken Burns baseball, the ultimate yeah. guide? It's so good baseball. Yeah. But no, I mean, there there are levels of cheating. You look at the Black Sox scandal. Um, we yeah. see Jackson and the group back in the day with the gambling. You look at Pete Rose. And yeah. yes, the Astros situation definitely on a on a whole new level. So okay, uh, Marissa, I want to move on to hockey. Here. Just one quick. <laughs> yes, here we go. Don't, don't, you want to talk about cheaters? No. Okay. <laughs> don't want to talk anymore about cheaters. But I do want to talk now. Our our viewers on Whiteman will be able to sort of see a sign over your left shoulder there. Oh, Can you read that out. Oh, Tell me what it. you think. Oh, sorry. You're, well, I thought it was your left shoulder. Well, your other left shoulder. Leafs will win the 2021 Cup. That's music to my ears. Will they do it? Um, okay, sorry. My dog is going off because That's she's okay. very protective. Um, I... I am man. I'm not predicting they will because that's not the proper word to use here. Okay. And I don't want to eat my words. Uh, I am manifesting that this is the Leafs year. I have, I've been, uh, you know, I light, I lit a candle. I lit this candle, I lit this candle tonight because there's obviously a game, yeah. uh, at least versus Sens. Okay. Seventh one. This is a tiebreaker. We'll see how it goes. Matthews it might be a good night for Matthews. Okay. Just throwing that out there. But um, when it comes to this year in particular, I just feel like, like I said, for Toronto fans, uh, you know, half of us are annoying and half of us are realistic. And uh, I like to think that I'm more on the realistic side of things, even though I'm being annoying with this sign. So um, <laughs> I'd like to think. Which one are you, that- Clarky? <laughs> <laughs> I I just understand why, you know, a lot of the hockey world outside of Leafs fandom is annoyed with Toronto fans. I understand it. Really? 
Sure. I just like to empathize. I like to empathize with others and be like, yo, I get it. I get where you're coming from. So because of that, because we are the way that we are, and I only say this because I used to work at the Air Canada Centre and uh, I used to deal with a certain type of leaf fan often. Um, So I understand having us get a little bit of punishment and eating it a little bit when it comes to if this was going to be our year, if we were going to, we're actually win the cup this year, we technically aren't really going to be allowed here in Canada to have a parade. Like, will they be allowed to plan one? I'm not sure. Um, And they always joke about, oh, plan the parade, plan the parade, but we It's already been planned. We can't this year. Legally, we can't. I know, I know, but that's okay. So because of that, I feel like this should be the year that we win it because people will have put an asterisk beside it because we were in the North Division, you know, the softest division, quote unquote. Um, So it has to be this year because of the asterisks. Oh, I, I mean, say what you will about the North division. I mean, I'm a caps fan and they're, they're probably playing, I guess, in the consensus toughest division. Uh, sure. That division with like Florida and Chicago and Dallas in it is pretty bad. Um, you know, Thanks with all due res- with all due respect to their teams, you know what, Marissa too, I, you know, I've, I grew up as a little kid watching the Leafs, you know, started watching the Caps, fell in love with that at the time, ragtag group of not very good players. Mm. And they finally won a cup. Uh, I had to suffer for a little bit, though, of constant disappointment and Sidney Crosby and yeah. all this. It was very annoying. I actually empathize extremely with Lee fans, whether they think they're being annoying or anything. I he does. He I does. want wow. good things for you. Yeah, I, like, wow. the, this is so it's rotten to see a team with this type of love and passion surrounding it suffer for this long. And whether it's this year, I, I personally won't be putting an asterisk next to it, Thank you. but I almost want them to win next year. So that just let's win both win. years. How's yeah. that? Why How's not? That? Yes. yes. Do it. And, like, and Marissa, I'm not probably... showing you, but I got a big leaf tattoo on my shoulder. As you do? Oh, I do. Yeah. I would show you, but it's, you know, it's You've been yeah. bleeding blue. Hey, oh man. Oh yeah. He's, oh, yeah. he's hardcore. He's Okay, and that's what I mean. Be- I want I want good things for you guys. And I, I think that the Leafs absolutely can do it, uh, Freddie or not. Oh, uh, here he goes. He's here you go. Show. I'm really excited about this. He's got to show it off. Our listeners will not see oh, it. I love it. That is a really nice one. Should I should I show mine off with that? Sure. Yeah, this is great on the radio, by the way. But Stanley yeah. Cup can't yeah. I got the radio. Yeah. Our, our, uh, I promised, I promised my mom I wouldn't get a tattoo until the Caps won the cup, and they did. So unfortunate yeah. for you, mom. Um, I yeah, think yeah, you're a pleb right now. <laughs> wow. you're not a pleb. You have a sign. You, you like candles. I like candles, and I have a sign. I didn't permanently ink my body with I my know. fandom. You guys, you're really making me look like a. I don't know. I haven't done enough as a fan. No, Next no. Next time you're on, you're gonna. You better uh, pick it up a little bit and show. <laughs> we'll us do. One. Yeah, no, we'll do a live. We'll, I'll get. A, <laughs> I don't even want to say that if at least in a couple get a tattoo because my mom will absolutely murder me. I, yeah, so don't I'm say that. I've said that for 45 years and I finally said, screw it. I'm getting one now. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> and that's a anyway. real fan, Clark. Yeah, good, exactly. Good for you. Right. Yeah. Uh, Marissa, I'd love to ask you one last thing. Obviously okay. we we've referenced it before your love for video games. I yeah. mean, I grew up loving video games. Most of my friends did. And, you know, we would have killed to have, you know, some of our, our friends that were girls, our girlfriends <laughs> growing up want to play games with us, you know, and uh, it's refreshing to see. Like I said, I remember watching you on EP daily. That yeah. was the first time I was aware of you. And I just thought this is 
great. And, and you know, it's bad enough the sports landscape. I feel like the video game landscape can be even more toxic. Yeah. Oh, um, especially I, around I, sports games. Oh, but yeah. What, what overall, though, what's your experience been like in that? And, and what was one or two games when you were a kid that really, really drew you into the medium? For me, it was Crash Bandicoot. Oh, you're a crash boy. Uh, well, my dad had a Super Nintendo. He had the original NES. Nice. Uh, he didn't play it. I don't even, my parents were never into, it's crazy. I got into this life of sports and video games. My parents are not into sports or video games. So um, they bought us, I remember an N64 this one year for Christmas. And that was it. That was everything for me and my brother. Um, we'd play Mario Kart endlessly. We'd play GoldenEye, just slappers only. Um, we'd ha- we had a Sega Genesis. We played like Aladdin and Streets of Rage and oh. um, just like the be- the beat-em-ups. Oh man, I'm obsessed with beat-em-ups. I'm so excited, but there's there's a new Ninja Turtles game coming out. A new beat-em-up I'm so yes. pumped about. Um, if you played like Turtles in Time or even like Castle Crashers, you know the vibe. Um, I'm just, uh, I just became obsessed with, I don't know, the joy of it, just completing a task. Um, I, again, they were, I was kept at home with video games, right? And my brother had a Game Boy. My parents got me a Game Gear because I thought maybe I'd be able to have a light. It, it lights up so I could play in the dark. Um, it didn't work out that way, guys, by the way. You need six AA batteries. So I need always need yeah. a plug. I need a plug they that they would die all the time. The worst. Um, but I didn't truly... Like it was in my adult years where I played all that Super Mario Sunshine. I was obsessed with it, just fell in love with the, not just the graphics, but the story and and how much time and effort goes into these games because you don't really take you don't really take in that into consideration when you're a kid um and then getting to play a, a role-playing game like skyrim uh oblivion was my first taste of the elder scroll series and that was what really blew my mind and I just felt like man I need to somehow constantly be living in these spaces I, I love just taking time off work and like wrapping myself in a blanket and just putting a pot of soup on and that's gonna be my feeding trough for the week and i'm just gonna play i'm just gonna play an rpg um yeah, i don't know it's a it's kind of a, a fun space to live in and get lost in um i feel like video games help so many people go through whatever it is they're going through there are different stories that they can follow along with there are puzzles it helps keep couples together i always say couples who play together stay together there are different games that you can get into um it just there's there's always something for someone and and even now like the stats are out there that it's really 50 50 for male and females playing video games and yes they take mobile games into consideration but mobile has incredible games in it now i know a lot of people don't think of that as a platform for video games but it truly is there are some great games you can play on your phone that we all own right now um so because of that i feel like the space has gotten a little more balanced yes it's still it's still completely male dominated for sure, but I'm meeting so many incredible women in every single scene in the esports scene, community management side, people that are producing games, people that are writing for games, just so many women that are able to make this space shine um, with their own unique twist or spin on it. Um, just so many different voices of diversity as well that you're seeing in this space now that it took some time to see when I f- was first getting into this world, uh, E3 had just gotten rid of Booth Babes. They just got rid of Booth Babes. And that was just like 10 years ago now. So had a lot, we had a lot of catching up to do when it comes to equality in the space and not just pandering to the male gaze. Um, but I feel like 
there have been a lot of strides. We're all, we're, we're getting there. I feel like women are feeling far more welcome now. You're seeing a lot more streamers out there too. Um, just girls dominating, even in the esports space. There are now co-ed teams that are happening. Uh, if you look at a game like Valorant, there are even all women teams coming out too from different esports orgs. So um, we'll see. We just need representation. Girls growing up didn't think that they could play video games because it was always a boy thing, right? They were always separated. It was labeled like pink or blue. You have a pink or blue job. You have a pink or blue hobby. But now it's just neutral. Everybody can do anything. So if you want to play video games, play video games. Just because you're not a boy, that doesn't mean you should stop. Well, not only that, but I mean, the female, you know, lead character or, you know, the hero in a lot yeah. of games now, right? And you're seeing, a, you know, it's just not Chun-Li as yeah. the one fighter. You've got, yeah. you know, a lot of other characters kind of trailblazing the way. Um, you mentioned Goldeneye. Yeah. Yeah, that was almost the end of my wedding party back in the day. Oh, no. <laughs> because, you know, there was a group of us that wanted not to use the golden gun in that play where it's the one-shot deal. And, yeah, it was... Yeah. Yeah, don't you? Why did you want to use golden gun? Don't use golden gun. You can't oh. use golden gun. We all okay. know this. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a rule. You can't. It's so you, rude. You turn it off. And yes. everyone's screen peeking too. Like you're seeing when your buddy's in the vents. Like you're just waiting for him to come out. Can't do it. <laughs> can't, can't do, do it. it. Okay, I feel real old right now. Yeah, sorry, Clyde. Where's my doom? Well, okay, but yeah. Doom Eternal. Like, like we know, we know Doom. I don't think yeah. Clarky could handle new Doom, Marissa. I don't think that that's going to go over well. He can't I had the original Nintendo, <laughs> and I had my buddy had in television. Oh wow! In television, wow. it was wow. awesome. Coleco in television, Coleco Coleco. baseball yeah. was amazing. Oh my god, that's baseball. incredible! Baseball yeah. was the best on t in television. Absolutely, yeah. I agree with everything you said, though, Marissa. You're right. I, I, I'm I'm glad that things are changing. Yeah. You would know it better than any of us, certainly, with all your years of experience in the space. And uh, you know, if I can say this to you, I, I think that you're a beacon of that, and I think that you're you're helping lead the way. Certainly, here in Canada, uh, she is TSN Digital Sports host, and of course, you can catch her on bar down content and esports and hosting all kinds of video game content you can follow her very easily on social media she is at marissa roberto two s's in marissa marissa we really appreciate you doing this we're so happy to have you you are a friend of the show you will be back we really appreciate this go leafs stamp it yes go leafs go friend thank you so much for having me this is wonderful Absolutely. We appreciate it. All right. We'll take a quick break here on MWO Sports. Like Clarky said earlier, when we come back, there was a situation in the NHL that has gotten a lot of airtime. We will chat with former pro referee Brian Lewis, who is also a former NHL director of refereeing. We will chat with Brian next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury still alongside Clarkie and Steve Sabrin. We're very pleased to be joined by longtime pro official and former NHL director of officiating, Brian Lewis, joins us. Brian, how are you? I'll tell you what, I, I'm doing good. We're, it, it's, it's fine. You know, there's some inconveniences, but from a, from a Brian Lewis perspective, awesome. That's good to hear. Uh, obviously, we have to dig into a 
sticky situation, I guess we'll call it for the NHL. Um, obviously everybody well aware now of the incident that occurred with a hot mic, uh, with longtime official Tim Peel, uh, in the Nashville Detroit game the other night. Uh, I guess first things first, Brian, as a former official yourself with plenty of experience dealing with NHL players and everything that goes on in a game and being the director of officiating, of course, as well. What was your impression of what happened? And did you feel that the punishment levied against Tim Peel by the league was appropriate? Or would you have liked to have seen the league take a little bit more responsibility on their part? Allow me to answer the last part first. Okay. Uh, and at the end of the day, I'm involved in politics and, and, and whether you're in the media or whatever, have you are accountable for the words used, the language spoken. And that doesn't matter where you are. And in this day and age, maybe not when I referee, but in this day and age, never mind the fact officials have microphones on. They turn on, turn off with a little flip of a switch. Maybe they get bumped. Maybe they get turned on when they shouldn't be. Uh, there's a whole bunch of perhapses, but by the same token. Years ago, there were no microphones around the building. Today, there's microphones every place. And to think that that something is not going to get picked up. And how many cameras are used in a building for a hockey game? And, and you have to go this. There are no secrets anymore. So if we have to look at and say is, okay, does the punish, punishment fit? I, I think it's important to understand. A, this official has been had some difficulty before where he was reprimanded for some bad decision-making. And, and, and I'm not pointing fingers at him, and it would be applicable to anybody. So as you go along and you build up a file for things that are being bad or inappropriate or bad officiating, whatever have you, that perhaps. I say this. Tim is going to retire, and they announce he's retiring on April the 24th. If we translate that in officiating language, A, he's not working any playoffs. Which that alone, I mean, we all were, when, when I was an official, boy, oh boy, you wanted to work hard all year to get to the playoff round. So from that standpoint, he's not being hampered because that decision had already been made. The reality is he had a month's worth of assignments from where he was today or the other night until when he is officially done. So the, the, the reality is maybe two, three games a week. So perhaps he's losing 12, 15 games at the most that he's not working where I find. So I think that, 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 that the punishment fits when you know all of the stuff, repeat offender. Uh, I guess the part that I don't know is, is there a loss of salary for that month? I don't know. I would hope not. But I think where the punishment really kicks in and fits the crime, I shouldn't say fits the crime. I feel sorry. Traditionally on our last game, or our thousand game or memorial game, there, there's an event that happens at ice level or your My 1000 game is the only time my mother ever saw me referee live. Mm. I don't know what Tim had planned for his last game on April right. the 24th in St. Louis. Mm. That's not going to happen. So I think does the punishment fit the crime? Yes. The ones I feel sorry for are his family members who had planned on being in that game to participate in any way, shape or form, or just be there as a long-term career comes to a close. So it's a long-winded answer. It's not as bad as what it may seem to say you're fired and you're not working anymore because the announcement relative to retirement was already there. All right. And I, and I think I answered the first part by saying, okay, he's yeah. had some difficulties before. Um, and I'm sure we're going to talk about the language used. I'll, I'll leave the rest up to you guys, but my immediate reaction is 
Yes, and I thought that the words used by the National Hockey League were, were very appropriate, very strong message. you got to remember, that message is now being delivered to every official that referees hockey, mm-hmm. not just those guys in the National Hockey League. Brian, what would you say to the fans who think that the refs do come into a game with preconceived notions of calling penalties against teams? I know when I used to watch the Leafs and you ref them, there was always a bad call early on the Leafs. But like, what would you say to those kind of fans who think that's happened and it looks like now it has? Well, here, let, me, let me give it to you here based on style of play. Whether I was an on-ice official and, and you got your assignments and you had a game given to you between d- just say New York Rangers, New York Islanders, Philly and Washington, Calgary and Edmonton. It didn't take Chris Clark to call me and say, boy, oh boy, you better be ready. That's going to be a tough hockey game. You knew right. that the moment yeah. you got your assignments. I, as a boss, have never called anybody and said, boy, oh boy, you better put the hammer down early mm. because no, we know that as an officials and everybody knows the history. The media is talking about it in advance. Players sometimes talk about it in advance. And I simply say here, in this particular game, there was no history. The teams were, I don't want to say out of the playoffs, but not really battling. And and so I I look at it and say, okay, have I ever received a call? No. Hmm. And and, and have I ever given a call? No. So the style of play will dictate whether I do or I don't have to work. Let's go right to this game here. There was nothing going on. They were playing hockey. And a marginal penalty does more to upset anything than what it does. So a long-winded answer to your question, Chris, no. There's no, we're not looking for anything. The style of play will dictate how hard I have to work. I have to be ready. And quit your whining and crying. <laughs> uh, there's, you know, there was always the talk about microphones and um, miking players, miking referees, and the whole bit. When you look at the language that was used, I mean, what goes through the process of the mind? Like, I mean, it wasn't a heated moment or like why even use that type of language when you know you're making a call? Well, I don't know how to answer that on behalf of Tim. We have to remember here, and, and I, whether I'm in politics or whether I'm on the ice, or it doesn't matter what you're in, you're accountable for the words used. I don't doubt for, we have something. I mean, I've been at hockey banks with hockey players and I'm happy as heck to hear some guys say three words without one of them being profane. And that's unfortunate. That's how perhaps that person operated. And and, and this might be a case. I'm not offering any excuse for Tim Bill. That might be just part of a normal language, might be part of what he hears on the way to the penalty box from a hockey player and doesn't overreact and penalize. I don't want to say it's commonplace language. Because you know what? The walls have ears and doesn't matter where you are. And you have to function with the idea of being here is I have to be so careful what I say. Never mind my actions or anything. Just the language itself. Um, there's no reason for that. And you know what? And we are schooled on that right from the time we start doing kids hockey in the Ontario Minor Hockey Association program or anything. That type of language on the ice level is not acceptable. That type of language in the public forum is not acceptable. Go lock yourself up someplace else if that's what it is you want to do. You have to be accountable for the language used. And, and I can't support and say, well, it's okay. It's hockey talk, whatever. No, it's not. Not acceptable. 
We're chatting with longtime pro official and uh, former director of officiating, Brian Lewis. Brian, I want to ask you about a term that has been thrown around a lot this week since the incident, and that is the term game management. That is a term that's been talked about an awful lot, and it kind of ties in with what Clarkie asked you a little bit. Where does this term come from, you know, in terms of officiating? You hear it in hockey a lot. You've got to manage the game and make a certain call at a certain time. That's what the notion seems to be after this incident and among a lot of fans that there's this notion of, well, I'm going to manage this game a certain way. You mentioned it. You go into Calgary, Edmonton, you know what type of game you're going to go into. Whereas a, a game like Tim Peel just refereed Nashville, Detroit, those two teams historically aren't really, you know, head to head battling a ton. Where does that term come from? And is there any credence to it in the NHL? Yes. Next question. <laughs> no, I, I, allow me to give it to you this way. And I'm not, I don't want to make light of it. And, and, and it isn't. Um, game management is one of those cases here. Our hockey games are filled with a ton of one minute penalties. A good referee will look at that and say, I'm not putting my arm in the air. So therefore, I'm up top in the press box and I write down GNC, good non-call. Mm-hmm. A referee who may be struggling and using bad judgment puts his arm in the air, puts a guy in the penalty box, the other team scores the winning goal, they win on a power play on a bad or poor quality penalty. That's bad game management. Now, go back to what I said a while ago. If you've got those two teams that you said historically are tough, my game management might be as I want to be ready. It still has to be a penalty. It still has to be worth two minutes. You can never give a hockey player a penalty for thinking, but by the same token, we don't want that those marginal penalties do more to upset and disrupt. Um, so that's it. You know a word I'd sooner have you use? Integrity. Mm-hmm. Brian, what do you think of the game nowadays? Sometimes I'm watching and like, you know, the guy touches a guy's stick and he gets a penalty. These sticks are exploding all over the place all the time and they get penalties anytime a stick breaks and you touch it. But then a guy can stand in front of the net and take 10 cross checks to the back of the neck and nothing is ever called. I don't understand that. Why is it that way? I wish I had a clear cut answer for you, but, but to say that, Part of it, when times changed after the strike, it was, okay, we have to clamp down on the clutching and grabbing and the holding, and we want the excitement for the fans is to see player X skate up and down the ice and not be hooked and held. And, and, I, and, and I'm as much fall as the next guy. I took the approach. This has to be a scoring foul. We get accused of putting our whistle in the pocket. I'm waiting for you to bring that up again. Here we are in the third period, and it scores two to two, and Lewis calls nothing. Let's give the players credit for playing differently. What they're doing in that part of the hockey game is not what they did in the first part. Mm -hmm. So I look at it here and say, okay, now they want it that if the stick is on, stick to stick contact shouldn't be a penalty. But if it comes up on the glove, they've said, hey, call it. And in fairness to the officiating business to the National Hockey, they've provided teams with pictures, don't do this, don't do that. So if you run run the risk of bringing your stick up or swinging your stick in a manner or whatever it is, the one in cross-check in front of it, we looked at this years ago, not only this from a standpoint of, I, I'm just I'm going to ask you, Chris, the next time you look at that, what is the attacking player doing? I'm a defensive player. There's nothing in the book that says I have to move to let you come and be in front of my goalie more. It's who's there first? I am. 
Now it comes into is how hard is he using that stick? Is he use it to push the guy away? And and I, I just say this: we have a lot of players who get touched in the back, whether it be with a bag of marshmallows or a hockey stick, and go down as if they've been they've been shot from up. We have to look at that overall, yep. mm-hmm. and it makes it far more difficult. And some players are noted for falling down easy. Mm-hmm. So you put the referee in the corner, he's looking there and say, is that a push? Is that a shove? Is the attacking player trying to weasel his way in backwards in front of the net? Mm-hmm. That defensive player doesn't have to move. So that's where you get between a rock and a hard place is what is a cross check where it is really a check that hurts? Uh, because we look at it and say, oh, if you read the rule cross check, when it says two hands in your stick, blah, blah, in the back of the person's body, we look at and say, how come it is, which is exactly what you've done. And I simply say, here's the referee stand in the corner has to factor in some elements as to why it is or why it isn't. Uh, and, and that's basically why is why is everyone not a cross check? Because quite frankly, it's not deserving to be a penalty. And quite frankly, and maybe you can talk to my co-host here, Ryan Drury, because if you follow Ryan on Twitter, you will notice that sometimes during his favorite team's games, the Washington Capitals, he thinks the referees are always against the Washington Capitals. And he'll probably go on here for two minutes and tell you why. But isn't that just part of the game? Every team thinks the refs are against them. Well, I, I mean, the fans do. Yeah. Right? For the first part. Yeah. I know when I skate out in the ice, I'm going to be 50% wrong. doesn't matter if it's the green sweaters or the yeah. purple sweaters that somebody's not going to like. Or 80% wrong during into- Leaf games. Well, yeah. yeah. You're still bitter. Get over it. Uh, I just, uh, aside to all this, I talked to a friend of mine who was with the Boston Bruins years ago, and we still talk about the game in New York Island when I apparently gave the Boston Bruins seven penalties in a row. To which I who said, cares? Him, they made, they, that's my point. I said him, Sorry to interrupt you, but said, if, he, if they make seven fouls in a row, they should get seven penalties in a row. And that's exactly what I said to him. I said, yeah. if I mask, right, the next one's eight. But it's no different than you. You're just whining in a different manner. Mm-hmm. Right, and and I say here is okay. I don't when I go out there in my black and white straight front. I could care less who wins. I want it to be incident free. I don't want to sit after the game and have to write a report. I don't want to have to go to my hotel room and sit there and write a report, whether it's to Clarence Campbell, whether it's to John Ziegler, whether it's to to Gary Bettman or whomever. Mm-hmm. There's no fun in that. I'd sooner have the guys come out and play, play within the guidelines of the rules. And unfortunately, they don't, which means then I have to put my arm in there. I had to go for shoulder surgery to fix it after doing that. Clark, yeah. And then I'm like, that. Go ahead, When I'm Brian. on the table, when I'm on the table, the surgeon came out, he had his mask on and when, when masks weren't compulsory. And he said to me that they were doing this to my shoulder because of all the bad fellas that call it Toronto. Uh-huh. See? Exactly. Exactly. So that's that's the only one. Sure. I knew I'd fall your <laughs> what a story Clark yeah I just add that the only hey, reason I get mad that Washington doesn't get as many power plays because I want Ovechkin to break Gretzky's goal record uh, Brian the final thing I'd like to ask you uh, this has been thrown around a lot too and they've started to sort of do this in pro soccer a little bit more there's a, another talk out of this incident and I think this might be a bit of an overreaction as well uh, on what is your opinion on referees being made available to speak to the media after the game? Would that, would anything positive come out of that? Well, we, yeah, sorry, but well, we saw someone with a foot in a crease come out and try to explain that one. Well, and, and he was there for hours to do it too. Yes, you were. Uh, are you done, Mr. Clark? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. If, if we looked at and say, uh, 
what what is the intent of the exercise here by bringing in the reality is you can do that as a pool reporter comes in because our dress rooms are not overly big and and you couldn't have 10 or 15 guys in there but and and i don't want to say at times we have sent out a clear message as to what it is well we are better off to explain the rule because i've been at places where the press have said hey this this and this that and in fact they're wrong but by the same token they are deserving of an answer and 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 you got to understand this if we're talking here about a referee in a pressurized situation that's maybe first year in the business one year two years whatever have you and, and this is all new to him and yes they could be schooled so if we looked at the veteran guy you know the the bob myers the wally harris that they'd have no problem but i think it would be an unfair situation to put some of the guy, younger guys in. now this is also offered if there's a supervisor in the building uh it's, there's a an opportunity for clarity is provided as well so it's not a case of you never get behind my door um I don't know of any sports writer that asked me as an official a very legitimate question that he did in a very professional manner that he didn't get an answer from me. So I think a lot depends how you how you present it. So if you're Chris Clark that you whine and cry all the time, you don't you don't deserve to give an answer. I, I'm laughing because I think the first time I met you was down at Maple Leaf Gardens when I used to sit with Jimmy Holmstrom and you guys were in the in the little room there next door. And who was it? I think George McPhee or someone came one day and was pounding on that door for about five minutes and you never opened the door and I was laughing the whole time. It was fun. Fun back then. Except when Carrie Fraser's dropping. Anyway. Oh, are you done? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it, 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 I could appreciate bitterness and, and, and you know, being upset. I never once mentioned that I saw uh, Mr. Clark play goal. Well, no, I shouldn't say play goal. Attempt <laughs> to play goal. Um, I, I don't even know why he wore goal pads because nothing was anywhere near him. But uh, I, I vowed that I wouldn't bring that up today because I thought I'm a little bit more of a pro than that. So, uh, um, and they had the part of, I'd say, Ryan, can you get him a box of Kleenexes so, so he can address the, the tears that continue to flow? I absolutely will do that. And uh, Clarky and I will go through the whole box awful quick. It'll take one period. Uh, Brian Lewis, long oh, time hold, hold on, hold on. Just so you know, go, go ahead. this is yep. a typical referee going back on his word. I'm reading his email now and he goes, I'll come on tomorrow as long as I can speak regarding your goaltending. So even though he just said he wouldn't talk about my goaltending, there you go. Allow me, uh, allow me to give you a quote. Uh, I gave a quote to a person today, and this is really applicable to anybody in the officiating industry. And, and I think people should understand. It was written by, I have it on the back of my business card because I like it so much. And it came from Mendy Rudolph, a former uh, uh, NBA official who I believe is in their Hall of Fame. Yep. Of course, to be physically fit and mentally alert, possess a keen knowledge of the rules, common sense, consistency. There are other basics such as movement and position to make the calls. The same both at home and away, the first or last period, but most important to conduct the game with a professional calm and dignity, which conveys a firm, quiet sense of authority. That is officiating in any sport. Well said. Well said, Brian. Uh, Brian Lewis, longtime referee and former director of officiating for the National Hockey League. We really appreciate you doing this, Brian. Uh, glad to see you're well and healthy. Uh, keep that up, and we really appreciate you joining us on the show. Thanks so much, Brian. Anytime, guys. My pleasure.
All right, we'll take one last quick break here on the show. When we come back, we will chat with our wagering expert, Chris Abbott, on a number of things, including the NHL gambling scene. Have they seen any effect after Tim Peel's hot mic moment? We'll we'll chat with Chris next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarkie and Steve Sabrin. We're joined as always at the end of the show by our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. What's up, buddy? Uh, this is it, boys. How are we doing today? We're doing well. Uh, the NHL not doing well after a bit of controversy. We just chatted with longtime official and former director of officiating Brian Lewis on the Timmy Peel hot mic incident. And uh, I'll ask you straight up, man. Uh, a, a lot of chatter has come out of this incident, namely a lot of chatter around gambling and you know new single bets and everything like that and people calling the integrity of the league and gambling on it into question uh, probably not to the degree that we saw with that nba scandal years ago but i'll ask you have you seen any movement of numbers in terms of gambling on the nhl in the last couple of days no i think it's uh I think it's it's standard operating uh, procedure for us. Like, um, there's a reason that there's websites dedicated to which referee is is refereeing an NHL game, or which umpire is calling an MLB game, or which crew is on an NFL game. Um, they all have their quirks. They all have their own statistics. Like, uh, you know, some some referees, the the average number of goals in the game is higher or lower, or average number of power plays is higher or lower. So. I understand where the integrity question comes from, from people who aren't kind of quote unquote in the know about the industry, but all these things are already taken into consideration when you're making a line. Uh, if, if bookmakers didn't do their due, dil- due diligence uh, on these games, uh, then they leave themselves open to risk. So um, I, I understand where, where the kind of outrage is coming from, but everybody already knows that some some officials manage games differently. Games are called different in the playoffs versus regular season. Um, this is this to me, it's it's a scapegoating issue for Tim Peel and the and the league felt like it had to act swiftly. I, I wonder if it had been um, uh, the golden boy. Uh, what's his name? Wes uh, McCauley. Right. If it had been him, which I'm sure these guys have these discussions in the referees room every game, um, what what would have been the outcome? It's funny you say that. We were discussing that with our guest, Marissa Roberto, a little earlier off camera, but we were kind of, you know, putting forward the same question. If it was old West five minutes for fighting, I wonder if he would have got punished the same way Timmy Peel did. Uh, I'll ask you this uh, as well. Trade deadline coming up very soon. NBA trade deadline was pretty active. The Raptors sold off some pieces. They kept Kyle though. Uh, NHL trade deadline. They have, uh, they are in the process anyway, at the time of recording this, according to Darren Dreger of minimizing the Canadian quarantine requirement to seven days, which would be huge for a team like the Leafs. And I'll ask you this, Mr. Abbott in the interest of one, Chris Clark, over under on trades for the Maple Leafs, one and a half. Are we over? Are we under? Total trades or significant trades? I'll go total, over one and a half. Total one trades. And a half total over. Absolutely over one and a half. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, the Leafs are, are known for making minor deals for sure, and I'm sure there's going to be at least one one piece coming to town. Um, so I'll say over one and a half trades. I'd actually put the odds on that at like 
minus 200. Two and a half. What about two and a half? Better odds? I think we're right there. I think that's your your minus 110 on each side. I think that's where we're at. I think I think that would be the right line. If if you were working at Coolbet, I think that would be the, the line that I'd suggest. Well, set it up for me and I'll lay some action down, buddy. There's money burning a hole in my pocket and I'm excited to spend it all on Coolbet. And he is our wagering expert from Coolbet, Chris Abbott. And that's why you listen to his advice here on the show. Over two and a half trades for the Leafs. Hammer it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Ryan Drury. That is Clarkie. He is Steve Saber. And we appreciate you listening to and watching this show. We air Friday nights just after six on CKNX. AM 920 and cknx.ca. If the Leafs play at 7 on a Friday night, we air after 5.30, leading into Leafs pregame at 6.30. Remember, we air every Leafs pregame and game all throughout the season and play playoffs on CKNX. You can watch the show Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman TV, debuting on YouTube Friday nights at 9, and you can find the podcast on all the best podcast apps. For our guests, Marissa Roberto and Brian Lewis, and of course, our buddy Chris Abbott, we really appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Mm-hmm.